0: At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Heartburn, acid reflux, indigestion, just an annoyance or something more serious. Get the answers to this burning question and more on this edition of Baptist Health Talk.
1: Hey folks, this is Dr. Jonathan Fialco, and welcome back to the Baptist Health Talk podcast. I'm a practicing preventive cardiologist and lipidologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute and Baptist Health South Florida, as well as the chief population health officer for Baptist Health South Florida. As a practicing physician for almost 30 years, I often see people who are confused about things they're told to hear that can be related to their health. I should say this is beyond my patients, as it's also true of family members and friends and people in the community. What we're told is good for us one week may be bad for us the next week. What we eat or do may be totally fine, but we're led to believe they have fearful effects and the opposite could be true as well, what we think is magical and can keep us alive forever, may have no real benefit. Our goal with this podcast is to speak with experts and review the kinds of questions that I and others have in here and hope to provide some sense of clarity for our listeners. If you have any thoughts about this podcast, hopefully positive, please feel free to leave a message at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net um, and any requests for future topics will be appreciated as well. On to today's show indigestion, heartburn, dyspepsia, reflux, upset stomach. Who amongst us has not had some, that complaint at some point? While we can usually attribute this to the big burrito we ate or a few beers we may have put down in the ball game, for many this is recurring and even potentially dangerous. We've all seen and maybe many have taken medications for reflux, but they'll only treat the symptoms. It's like taking an aspirin for a fever for an infection. The fever may go down, but you still have the infection. Americans take over 170 million prescriptions for acid blockers for the stomach this year alone, and that doesn't include the -the over-the-counter therapies. To help us sort out this information regarding indigestion, the symptoms we feel, and the components that may make us determine whether it's something we can help on our own or need medications for is Seth Rosen, a gastroenterologist at GastroHealth. Dr. Rosen is a physician leader at Baptist Health South Florida, my gastroenterologist, and a good friend. Welcome, Seth.
0: Good to see you, John.
1: So, you know, um, um, we've certainly spoken about heartburn and indigestion in the past. A little overview before we start getting into specific points. Can you define what heartburn, reflux, what these terms really are from a medical standpoint?
0: Well, it's a little difficult because different people will describe uh, the same syndrome in very different words. Uh, some people will describe reflux as feeling like something's coming up into their esophagus. Some people describe classic heartburn as a burning sensation in their chest, sub sternally, below their below their breastbone. Some people have pain in the very top of their abdomen. So there's a variety of, of symptoms that people will describe, which is really an underlying a similar underlying process.
1: What is that process? What's what, what's actually causing those sensations?
0: So basically, it means that. There's fluid from the stomach that's splashing up into the esophagus where it doesn't belong. Most commonly, this is an acid fluid because the stomach makes acid. It doesn't have to be, but that's the most common. And the esophagus is not designed to tolerate acid. The stomach is. So you get acid up in the esophagus, and you can get a burning sensation, a pressure sensation. Some people have a sensation of fluid coming up all the way into their throat, and that's uh, they'll they won't have the burning sensation, but they'll describe uh, reflux sensation.
1: So, so why wouldn't it happen all the time? What what prevents acid from normally coming up into the esophagus?
0: So, there's a valve at the bottom of the esophagus that separates the esophagus and the stomach, and it is felt that if that valve is not working properly, then stomach contents can splash up into the esophagus. There's other things that make it more likely. People have hiatal hernias which means that a portion of the stomach is pulled up into the chest, make it more likely that you'll have acid reflux. But the biggest problem is that valve at the bottom of the esophagus called the lower esophageal sphincter.
1: So how, how would you say how prevalent it is? Um, again, not with actual numbers, or unless you have them. But, you know, there's a difference between a person who may feel reflux after, like I said, a big meal or a fatty meal or a lot of alcohol versus the person who really has the problem where it becomes something more chronic. How, how, how can so, you uh, So uh, in
0: numbers? our community, in this country, uh, probably around two-thirds of people at some point will experience some acid reflux. But chronic acid reflux, defined as three or more times a week, is about a third of the population who have uh, significant acid reflux where it's sometimes lifestyling alter- altering.
1: We do see a lot of people who get it at night. They're awakened with it. Um, that is still acid reflux, obviously. is that Does that person have a different issue potentially than a the person who might just get it during the day? Is one worse than the other?
0: Uh, it's one of the warning signs where if you're getting it at night and it's waking you up, then you have to, to maybe seek medical attention and not just pop a Tums. If you're getting it at night, if it's waking you up, number one, it's interrupting your sleep, which is not healthy. And it may also be a harbinger of other problems such as sleep apnea, uh, or other significant uh, medical issues.
1: I think that's a great point, and, and I think we all see you know sleep apnea is so prevalent, many people have it, and it crosses so many different s- disciplines. And uh, that's something I see in the cardiology space for components where you know you have this closed airway, you're increasing your abdominal pressure to open up your airway, and it pushes the acid up into your stomach. So that is something that people don't always correlate, um, but I think it's important to think in those terms. So, so it's one thing to say, yeah, I have a disrupted sleep, or oh, it's a, a pain in the butt and I have to take a Tums. What are the dangers of chronic acid reflux?
0: Uh, there, there are several. Um, one of the most co- the things that we talk about the most is Barrett's esophagus. That's you get that from chronic inflammation in the esophagus, and Barrett's in and of itself is not a problem, but it increases your risk of developing esophageal cancer down the line. So people with Barrett's esophagus, we have to keep an eye on and periodically check their esophagus. The other another problem is. When you have chronic acid reflux, you can develop strictures or narrowing in the esophagus, and that can mean food can get stuck. And... Very often, if food gets stuck, it's going to happen on a Saturday night at ten o'clock, and you're going to end up in the emergency room. And of, then, and then co- I'm going to end up in the emergency room.
1: <laughs> I've had a couple of doctors on the show. It seems like the particular topics seem to be more irritating when it's three in the morning and the doctor's being called for this. I do understand that. Um, but so, so these would be the kind of things that we want to take seriously when we have this chronic acid reflux. Not necessarily because the disruption in our lifestyle, but they do have significant components. And I guess the next question would be: When should the person see a gastroenterologist? Primary care can handle, I would argue, the majority of patients, but when should it escalate to a a gastroenterologist?
0: If the uh, symptoms are occurring with great frequency or increasing frequency, if it's being harder to control, if you used to just take a Tums or a a Pepsid and now that's not working for you, if it's interrupting your sleep, if you're starting to feel food get stuck when you swallow and you're having having to drink a lot of water, uh, these are all what we would call alarm signs of acid reflux, and then that goes beyond the simple things like an antacid or a, or a pepsid.
1: So what would what would be the things people can change in their lifestyle if they start feeling more frequent uh, sleep ap- um I'm sorry, digestion and reflux?
0: So there's classically five things that we talk about, but it actually goes beyond that, but alcohol, tobacco, mints, chocolate, and um, caffeine are all- they all lower the pressure on that valve at the bottom of the esophagus. So it doesn't mean you can't have any of those things, although certainly tobacco is, a, is always a no-no. But all the others, we encourage moderation. It doesn't matter mean you can't have a drink, don't have too much. It doesn't mean you can't have caffeine, perhaps not late in, late in the evening, uh, but mo- everything in moderation. Fatty foods slow down how fast your stomach empties. That increases gastric, uh, re, uh, gastroesophageal reflux. Uh, lying down after eating, we recommend being upright for two to three hours after eating. That's another thing. And then an, uh, one of the other, um, very important issues is if you're overweight, uh, weight loss also dramatically improves acid reflux.
1: Great. And, um, and then when one's either unable or despite uh, having these lifestyle modifications, they still have reflux. When would you go to medications? What would be the different medications that we would go with? So
0: one of the first things we do even before medications is we'll suggest people if they have nighttime symptoms sleep with the head of the bed elevated or on a wedge. If we go to medications,
1: for so let's actually back off on that. So so you put I've seen you put pillows or something under your head, but you slide down. So they have devices or you you raise the the front of your bed with the the two recommendations
0: are either to put. A couple of bricks under each right. leg of the head of the bed, or at a medical supply store, you can get a wedge that's specifically designed okay. designed for this. If you just put pillows up, you're going to fall you just off.
1: Slide down and you lose that. Okay.
0: Um, so medication wise, for the occasional acid reflux, there's antacids. People know Maalox, Mylanta, Gaviscon. Uh,
1: Would they be? But they they work acutely. Do you just take them every night? Take them all day? Or, or when do you? Those are for people who
0: thing? have an intermittent, occasional acid reflux. Uh, for people who have it on a more regular basis, most, most people would start with uh, what's called an H2 blocker. The most common one out there currently is Pepsid. The generic is famotidine. It can be gotten uh, over-the-counter or by prescription. The strengths are the same over-the-counter or by prescription. So you don't have to have a prescription, and that's you take that once or twice a day. If that controls your symptoms, that's great. They're very, it's a very safe long-term drug. The, moving on from there, you get to the what's called proton pump inhibitors. People know Nexium, Amiprazole, Prilosec, uh, Pantoprazole. These are proton pump inhibitors. These are much stronger acid suppressants. And they have long term implications, and certainly those should even though they 're uh, available over the counter, they really should be taken with some physician 's direction and not just uh, uh, ongoing if people need them long term. most of the the over the counter proton pump inhibitors are uh, come with a warning that you should only take it two weeks at a time unless you 're under a doctor 's care
1: so but we do see a lot of people who find they benefit from the medications. And when they stop the medication, the symptoms come back, so they stay on them forever. And there might be some concerns with that.
0: There are a lot of potential or theoretical issues with the proton pump inhibitors. And so we try and get people onto other drugs— Say an H2 blocker if possible. We try and do behavior modification, and if they do need long-term medications, and these are good medications, like all medications, they have their strong, their positives and their negatives. There are things that can be done to monitor uh, for for early signs of uh, problems with them, but they are they're very effective.
1: Mm -hmm. And you did say so. Potential problems. There was some press reports and things that were out there in the media about the danger of these medications. This does not seem to be really as validated and as severe as, pers- as possibly people think?
0: There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of smoke, and we're still looking for the fire.
1: Okay. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but it goes back to the point of you do want to take these medications under the supervision of your physician. Correct. All those type of things. Correct. Not, not, to, um, not to get too much onto the foods, because you did mention caffeine and alcohol and stuff. Um, some things you hear about, again, is garlic a component that can lead to reflux?
0: Foods in general, and you can include garlic, tomatoes, tomato sauce, citrus fruits, citrus. You. They're not on the list of things that we tell people, oh, you can't have this. But if a patient says, when I eat a toma- uh, pizza or if I eat spaghetti with tomato sauce, I get symptoms, then <laughs> d- <laughs> you say, then maybe cut back on that. It's not a, an across the board recommendation. If somebody says, when I drink orange juice, I have the symptoms, don't drink the orange juice or drink a smaller amount of it. So that's that's a very individualized direction. So there are
1: customized components into how people can relieve their symptoms. What about um, uh, NSAIDs, uh, Motrin's and those anti-inflammatories and aspirin?
0: Uh, They have other issues in the uh, stomach, but they are not specifically related to acid reflux.
1: So, if someone has burning with the stomach from burning in the stomach from those medicines, it could be something else that's potentially dangerous.
0: Correct. If you are ha- if you are having symptoms when you take aspirin or you take Motrin or Advil Advil or Aleve, you should be evaluated. But it's unlikely to be related to, to acid to reflux. reflux. Okay.
1: What about probiotics? People can take probiotics; they seem to improve everything.
0: Probiotics, no matter what's wrong with you, probiotics will cure you. Okay. Uh, Probiotics. We'll do a show on that. (laughs) Probiotics actually have a significant uh, place in gastroenterology and gastrointestinal symptoms, but not specifically with reflux.
1: That's great. That's great. Any, any final thoughts? I mean, uh, you've kind of reviewed, I'm sure, the, the litany of, of things you tell your patients when they're referred to you. When should the patient get an endoscopy, which is, I guess, the test that you would actually use to define what is going on in the esophagus?
0: That's, uh, again, a very individualized thing. Um, certainly somebody with any difficulty swallowing, somebody who is having worsening symptoms, uh, somebody who has weight, weight loss, uh, unexplained weight loss. Many of those patients should have an endoscopy. Uh, If they're having uh, reflux symptoms that cannot be controlled with medication, all of those people should be evaluated for endoscopy. If you have mild occasional reflux, you probably don't need it. Um, But it is important, if you have any questions, to see a gastroenterologist and evaluate it. And also be aware of the the things that are going to cause it. Don't lie down after eating. Limit uh, things like caffeine and alcohol, especially late in the day or the evening. Uh, If you are overweight, lose weight. If you have sleep apnea, address the sleep apnea. Uh, These are all things that are lifestyle changes and can have a a significant uh, effect and benefit if you are able to alter them.
1: Well, that's great. You just did my summary for me, so it makes it very easy. <laughs> uh, but again, folks, hopefully you appreciate the uh, the insights and uh, knowledge that Dr. Uh, Rosen has lent to this conversation. Um, this is a very prevalent problem. It's very common, not necessarily dangerous. Most people, like we said, have an episode or two here and there, and they can identify why, um, but we do want to identify when it is something that should be um, followed up. Uh, thanks again for listening to uh, Baptist Health Talk uh, podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Fialco, and we hope to hear from you soon. One once again, um, you were able to email us at baptisthealthtalk at Health.net and send any comments, thoughts, or any uh, requests for future topics. Thanks again, Seth.
0: Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.